Amen. Uh, we have a series we're in right now, but I want to take a, a break this morning and talk to you about John chapter 3. I want to talk to you about uh, growing up uh, in Christ. Anybody ever told you to grow up before? Probably wasn't a good conversation, but I want to talk to you about growing up in Christ. How many people look like their dad? Raise your hand. How many people look like your mom? Raise your other hand. How many people don't know who you look like? We're wondering where you come from. Okay. Uh, no, uh, I definitely look more like my dad. If you ask people in our family, I look really a lot like him. It's kind of creepy sometimes. And I'll even notice myself, you know, doing little mannerisms. Like, wait a minute, don't do that. That's, my dad does that. You, you kind of scare yourself sometimes. My children, uh, uh, they take after the Harris side in some sense. And in others, you know, you can say you see their mom and them. Definitely in the attitude factor, I'll definitely say they take after their mother. She's not here this morning with a sick child. But uh, in, when you are born, you often in the natural look like one of your parents. And then, so you're born to look like your parents. Sometimes you take on some of those natural mannerisms. And then you get into your teenage years, right? And then you have to learn to learn from your parents. Those are the hard seasons of figuring out I'm living for myself or I'm going to live like mom and dad want. And sometimes the rules come in and we fix the boundaries and we try to figure and navigate that life out. You got to learn how to eat. You got to learn how to sleep. Sometimes you want to stay up till 1230 or one o'clock, but you got to learn balance. You got to learn uh, consistency. You got to learn how to do your homework. You learn safety and driving. You got to learn how to not eat junk food all the time because how many know when you get 40, 50, it's going to come to bite you later, right? It's not good for you. So we try to teach you to eat your vegetables early. So there's this learning curve. I've been born, but then there's a learning time to be learning to live like my parents. And then there comes a day that everyone hates when you realize that, you know, I used to be a Toys R Us kid, but now I'm grown up, right? I have to be the adult. Nobody likes adulting, right? Everybody, I'm in. Right? Don't you just wish you could go back to the days where you didn't have to care about lights, utilities, water, where the money's coming from? You just enjoyed life. I ha- had my little girl uh, spend time with them after being gone for two weeks and just swinging on the swing with my little two-and-a-half-year-old, and she didn't have a care. In the- I'm thinking of all the things. She doesn't know about uh, Trump versus Democrats. She doesn't know anything. She's just sitting there singing her little self you know, away as she's swinging and thinking about there's a bird, and she's talking to me about everything in her world. And in her world, it's reality for her, but she's not aware of this other world that we all live in as adults. And as adults, we have to make the choice of what we're going to live like. I have to make the choice that everything my parents have taught me, now I have to choose for myself. Nobody's coming to make me get up and go to work any morning. I don't know about you, but nobody's coming to tell me to pay my bills. I have to choose to be an adult. You know, and sometimes uh, we can think about the Christian life very much in those ways. You are born, you have to learn, and then you've got to learn how to live. Uh, In the natural, in the spirit, there are two different ways. In the natural, I can say you've been born to look like your mom and dad. You had to learn from your mom and dad, and now you've got to learn just to live like them. And in the, in the spirit, is very much the same way. You have been born again with your spiritual heavenly father's DNA. You have his nature in you, but yet you also have to learn through a learning curve to live like him. But then there comes a moment where you really have to make the choice to be fruitful because you're saying, yes, I choose to live the way you've taught me. And I want to talk to you about growing up into maturity in the spirit. 
We should look like our Heavenly Father, learn from Him, and live like Him. But that is not always easy. Uh, I grew up very religious, not on intentional. I grew up uh, in the church, seeing uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, great parents, great pastors. Uh, but there came a moment where I had to understand that this Christianity was more than just head knowledge. It was more than just doing all the right things and not doing all the wrong things. It had to come a moment where God's Spirit became so alive, so living in me, that it was no longer I who lived, but it literally was Christ living on the inside of me. There became an awakening to there was more to this life than meets the eye. There is something about this Spirit, Jesus said, wants to live inside of you. And there are so many in the American church today and all around the world, really, who are we are living weak Christianity. We're very, very religious lives. Many are weak and many Christians look and think and act like the world. Uh, but if we're going to glorify God, somebody say we've got to have God living on the inside. Amen? Amen. We've got to have the real deal. What is it that when someone comes and sees you at your job, your workplace or your family, they say, man, God is living on the inside of that person. What does it mean to be a Christian? Is it your doctrine? Is it your denomination? Is it your good habits, your traditions, the do's and don'ts? And why are so many coming into the American church and yet leaving the same way? Why are so many Christians dealing with the same sins as the world? And what's the proof of your Christianity? What's the proof that God is really alive on the inside of you? That it's not you who are doing this thing, but it's God who's doing it on the inside of you. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God had prophesied of a new day that would come through his son, Jesus Christ. He said this, I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh. I'll give you a heart of flesh. He said, I'm going to take a a hard heart that you've had. I'm going to put a soft, moldable heart in there. And I'm going to do that because I'm putting my spirit within you. I'm going to cause you to work and walk in my statutes. You're going to be careful to observe my ordinance. He's saying, before you had outward influence of the natural man, you've had religion and works and people telling you to live right and try harder and do better. But there's coming a day when Jesus comes on the scene that it's not going to be outward things helping you to live right. There's going to be inward things. Somebody say amen. There's going to be inward things that are causing you to want to live right. How many people say that's I've had that experience? So let's talk about this. There's a maturing believer who's born by the Spirit. Then you learn to live by the Spirit, and then you'll be led by the Spirit. That is to say, you look like Jesus, you learn from Jesus, and then you'll live like Jesus. Just those three things I want to talk to you briefly this morning. To look like Jesus, to learn from Jesus, and to live like Jesus. Let's look about looking like him. In John 3, verse 1, John chapter 3, verse 1, look like Jesus. How do you look like Jesus? That's to be born by the Spirit. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And look how he said, with him. See, he only is aware of the natural. He is only aware of God coming alongside the natural. But Jesus says, wait a minute, I got something deeper I want to show you here, Nicodemus. He says, truly, I say to you, 
Unless one is, one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, well, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? See the sarcasm there. Jesus answered, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That word water there, he's prophesying back to Ezekiel. What Ezekiel said, I'm going to sprinkle clean water on you. And this new thing is going to happen in you. He says, unless the water and the spirit happen in your life, you can't enter. Not only just see, you can't even enter. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. He says, don't be amazed. I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it come from. But where it is going, so is everyone who is born of the spirit. Here is a natural man. Nicodemus is one of the experts. He has a Ph.D. in theology, has a Ph.D. in doctrine. He has all the rules of religion, but he doesn't have relationship. This guy knew the Bible forwards and backwards, up and down. He fasted every week. He prayed three times a day. He was sinless in every way a man could be sinless. But Jesus says, whatever is flesh can only do fleshly things. But whatever is spirit will do spiritual things. He says, I don't understand. He says, it's a mystery. You don't control the wind. You can't hardly even see where it comes from or where it is even going. But what you do see is you see the natural effects of it. It's something heavenly. You don't understand it. You can't conceptualize it. You can't control it. But what you can tell is when it affects that tree out there. He says the same way is going to be Christians this day and age that I'm bringing in when the Holy Spirit washes people and makes them come alive. They have a new nature, a new spiritual DNA. They begin to be birthed to look like your heavenly father, just like you look like your natural father or mother. Now you're going to naturally look like your heavenly father. And it's not going to be something you're controlling or you're doing or that you have effect on. But what we will be able to see is the Holy Spirit moving and working in your life. Amen? You're going to be able to see there is a change. There's a difference. There's something. And somebody around you is going to be like, I don't understand it. I can't conceptualize it. But I see that it's happening. You see, your life is to be a miracle. It is to be a God-touched Miracle, just like God breathed life into Adam in the garden, just like he breathed his own spiritual life. Jesus comes as the new Adam to bring a new spiritual life into your heart. It's something, an awakening. And my concern is that so many Christians, maybe even in this room, even in our church, say, I don't know if that's actually happened in my life or not. I don't know if that's really something that's happened to me. Let me give you a little bit more about it. He says you got to be born again. That word literally in the Greek means to be born from above or to be born out of spirit. It means that the divine life of God is come inside of you. John 1, chapter 3, he says this is to be born of God. It means his nature. And for instance, it's a gift. It's a gift. I don't know about you, but I didn't really have a whole lot to do with me being born uh, in my own natural life. I just kind of existed. It happened. All right? I just... Woke up one day screaming that I had been born in this world, right? We all didn't have anything to do with that process. Now, the Bible says it is a gift. It is not a work lest somebody should boast. That means that the Holy Spirit 
has wrought this process from beginning to end. No man can come to the Father lest the Spirit draw him. And the Bible says it's very clear. If you repent of your sin, confessing your reliance on Jesus Christ, that's the work you begin to do. You set the environment. But then it has to be something the Spirit does. It has to be something that comes inside of you. I know one thing that happens so many times in the American church is that we come down to the front, we raise our hands, we do the work ourselves to say a nice prayer. Lord, don't let me go to hell. That's probably the first part of it, right? Or we say, now lay me down to sleep. I don't want to die tonight. That's the creepy prayer that we make our kids pray, right? That God might kill you in your sleep prayer. Uh, and should I die before I wake? Isn't that kind of a sad prayer? We, I pray with my kids, but when they're little, right? But... There's that prayer that's in the natural. But what should happen in each of our lives is there's something where my efforts, my prayer, my consciousness, my knowledge ends and something only heavenly, only brought by heaven begins. That's the born again life. There's something supernatural. You cannot birth yourself in the natural and you cannot birth yourself in the spiritual. It is by grace through faith, not something you can do. All we can do is to repent and believe and say, God, yes, do this new life in me. Not only is it a gift, it's natural. For instance, a baby, little baby on the front road today, this baby does not need anyone to teach it to want milk. Is that true? It naturally craves it. The Bible says that we should naturally crave the good milk, the milk of the word of God. And even then, he even says in Hebrews, it's not just the milk is enough, but eventually that baby is going to begin to crave other things and other things. He's going to get the milk, then he's going to get the meat. And I don't have to teach, mom does not have to teach this baby to want these things because it's natural. It's part of the DNA. It's part of how that baby has been born. And the same is true for a true believer in spirit. It means that, man, if you become born again, alive in God, that you will naturally crave to read your Bible. You'll naturally crave to go to church. You'll naturally crave to pray and to seek to know God more. I had the privilege of being with 17 pastors, young pastors, uh, who had begun to plant churches in the outer reaches of, of Guyana in South America for these last two weeks. Let me tell you something. There was such a hunger, a hunger for the things of God. Not something that I did or because our teaching was so great, but there was one guy, his motorcycle was stolen early in the class, and I told our staff this, that his motorcycle was stolen. He lived way out in the bush in Guyana, and he had to take a taxi to a river, then at the river, wait for a ferry, get on the ferry, get off the ferry, cross this huge river, pay that fee, then find a bus at a bus depot, which isn't always consistent, get on that bus, go all the way across town on that bus to be there at 8.30 in the morning because he wanted to learn more about Jesus. Now, that's a hunger. How many people would do that? Now, this, let me tell you some of the other things about this man. This man was self-employed. He had taken two weeks off of work. He had no vacation time. He was getting not paid for this. In fact, he was paying to take this class. So, in fact, he was going to have a hard time that month paying his bills after losing his only means of transportation, now paying every day to get there and not getting any vacation for it. How many people are that hungry to learn more about Jesus? Because sometimes in America, we get it so easy because we get a pastor that can spoon feed you. We got podcasts, we got Facebook, we got the verse of the day, and we can just take it all in if we want it or not. 
But there is something that is supernatural about a hunger for the word of God that is not bought because I'm making you or condemning you to come to church or religion is mandating you or there's some guilt trip or that someone is punk poking you and say, hey, you need to really come to church today. Man, we really missed you the last six weeks. Where have you been? There is a new believer, a, a, a hunger. I don't have to make you hungry if you're born again. Which makes me scared as a pastor for so many in the American church. Because I go, it's rare that I go without eating very much, right? But I am, how hungry am I? Are you craving the basic things of Christ? While the natural life is self-loving and following appetites and sensation, the spiritual life is going to be selfless. It's going to be sacrificial. It's going to be seeking to please God because it desires the true word. And the true spirit. You know what? Even as you grow up, now that baby probably is waking up mom and dad at night and it's hungry. And that's very much like it is as a new believer. We are hungry. We're intensely passionate to crave. And, you know, as you get older, my intensity for craving is not so much. I can go probably a few hours or days or weeks, maybe even uh, without certain things. And maybe I can go all day without eating. You know, that's true, but there still should be a natural craving for you. They say, I've been saved, Pastor, for 50 years. I know the word. I love God. I am with God. Yeah. And we may not be that intensely like that baby crying in the middle of the night wanting the next milk, but we should still have a yearning. If you go without God for, for a day, for two days, if you go without reading your Bible for one, two, three days, there should be a craving to say, you know what? I got to get back to that. How many know what I'm talking about? I got to get back to, man, I've been missing church. Man, I regret that I, I had to go somewhere. And that's okay. We do miss church. We do miss our Bible time sometimes. We do miss prayer time. But there still should be, even as an adult, I still, even if I'm mature to eat right and, and balance out and, and skip a meal, I still am going to be hungry the next day. Am I hungry? Are you hungry if you're born again? So there's the first stage. You look like your dad and you're born of him. That's the believers who are born again. But then you have to go to the teenage years, which are learning, learning from him. That's living by the Spirit. Have you ever met a Christian or maybe in your life you've been that where you got saved repeatedly, right? You know, I, I call it ping pong Christianity. You know, I'm really in for God for right now and then I'm really out again and I'm really in again. And a lot of times that's birth because sometimes in religion... We've learned to get saved and then immediately go to religion to keep us saved. And let me talk to you about that. So uh, when you're a teenager, sometimes in the natural, we allow ourselves. So, hey, man, my kids, they've gotten older, but now they begin to think for themselves. So we begin to put boundaries and we put them in a box to say, look, you can't stay out after 10 o'clock. You need to be here. There's the movies that we do watch, things we don't say. And you begin to box them in with rules, which is good, mom and dad, Right. Some of you. Okay, we're going to talk about parenting later. But there's things that you should put boundaries on your kids and what they do. And so they can learn to be a healthy adult later. Uh, and sometimes we get confused with that in the spirit. Let me explain. Paul prayed to the Galatians. I prayed for them. He says, man, I'm praying that Christ would be formed in you. What is he saying? I say, I'm praying that you would grow up into spiritual maturity. I'm praying that you would learn to know what it means to be Christ forming on the inside. Because it's not this. He says, it's not a work of religion. Somebody say amen. It's not a work of religion. It's not some strong belief. 
It's not some strong internal motivation. It's not, it's not something that I'm like, I really have to do that. I don't know if I'm going to make it. It's, it's not this outward thing or even the people convicting you. You're going to have tests. You're going to have trials. Sometimes you're going to grow fast. Sometimes you're going to grow slow. But at the end of the day, Christianity is not designed to be on again and off again. When you're saved, you're saved. When you're born again, you're born again, you're alive. And maybe my kid's going to have growth spurts, and they're going to be taller and shorter at different times. Maybe they're going to be good behavior, bad behavior, but at the same time, they're always my kid. They're always alive. And like a plant, if this is a real tree, it doesn't just live and die. Even the trees, when they lose their leaves, are still alive. Just because you've had bad seasons or gone through different things doesn't always mean you are dead. But that we should know that. Don't condemn yourself. Sometimes I just need to keep growing. Amen. Sometimes people tell you, if you don't go to church this many times, you're not praying this many times, that you're not a Christian, you're, you're dead. You alone know if the divine life is inside of you. That's the roots that are deep touching the source of Christ. And so there's this learning to live like him, not based on religion, but always being alive in him. Traditions can be good. And religious rules can make you feel excited for a period when you do them. But how many know you? it's always hard to live up to expectations? Even on ourselves, we set these goals to exercise. Oh, man, I'm just a failure. You know, I'm not doing this anywhere. You know, I just might as well give up. Sometimes Christianity becomes that for so many people. It's all about the rules of boxing us in. But instead, the New Testament is very clear. You're not going to be under the law, and you're not going to just... If you're under the law, you're not under grace. And if you're under grace, you're not under the law. That I'm in Christ. I'm alive in Him. I'm adopted as a son or daughter of the Most High God. He loves me. His Son has died for me. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The Holy Spirit testifies in my heart that He is my Father. I can cry out, Abba, Father. I'm forgiven. Stop living under condemnation. But now learn to walk in freedom. Amen. Don't learn to walk in religion. Learn to walk in freedom. Let me explain. The only work that we are to do now is a work of surrender. I tell my kids how to live and what to do. That's the outward influence. But now in Christ, the spirit life is not that way. Now I've had rules before to keep me holy. That's the rules of man and outward works. Now I have the rule of the Holy Spirit. The work that I'm supposed to do every day, Paul says, Jesus says, is to die daily. If I die today, the only thing God wants you to do, listen to me, church, the only thing God wants you to do to please him is keep surrendering. Keep dying to the rule of the flesh and start living to the rule of the Holy Spirit. It is not to measure yourself according to Pastor Heath Harris. It is not to measure yourself to brother and sister so-and-so. It is not to live any up, up to any expectations of man's religion. It is to continue to let yourself not be ruled by the flesh, but instead be ruled by the Holy Spirit. That's how you please God. I will help my children be ruled by these rules that I will put in my kid's life. Your heavenly father is the same way, but he won't use it in the natural sense. He's not going to give you a list. If you go to church three, you know, 30% of your time, if you fast so many days of your year. If, no, no, no. He's not giving you natural rules. He's giving you the rule of the Holy Spirit. He's giving you the control of the Holy Spirit in your heart. For instance, instead of flesh ruling your efforts, spirit's going to rule your efforts. 
He's, even in Ephesians, he said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, Paul said, that in reference to your former manner of life, lay aside that old self, which is corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, things in your fleshly mind. But now be renewed in the spirit. See that? Somebody say spirit. Don't be ruled in the fleshly way of thinking. Be renewed in the spiritual way of thinking. Put on a new self. He says that self has already been created in the likeness of God and has been created in the righteousness and holiness of truth. Basically, he's saying that DNA, if, if that child has got the right nutrients and the right stuff to grow up, they will grow up into exactly who that DNA is going to tell them to be. How many are with me this morning? God has already created the best Christian you could ever be when you got saved. That DNA, that Holy Spirit is inside of you. All you are to do is to make sure that spirit has got the right spiritual nutrients. Not to put fleshly rules of man on top of it, but to say, I'm going to feed my spirit every day with the things of God. And as I feed my spirit with the Holy Spirit... He will naturally grow up into the strongest person that God wants me to be. Are you with me this morning? You have no effort that could ever help God out on the outside. Man, I want to help God out sometimes. I want to try to be better. That's great. But I have to learn to say, Heath Harris, you are a sinful, wretched man. You can do nothing. Paul says in Romans 6, there is nothing good in, inside of you. That is in your old sinful nature. There is nothing that you could ever do to please God. Do you understand this this morning? Stopping drinking is not going to please God. Stop smoking not going to please God. Those are works of man. Great things to do, by the way. But on the other side, it's that God... I, my spirit wants to connect with you this morning as I get up. Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? God, I just want to sing praise to you as I go through Walmart, as I go through the, the post office, as I'm in my yard, mowing my yard. God, I'm just connecting with you. Father, I look at the sky. God, look at this revelation of how awesome you are. Lord, that bird is singing praise to you. Lord, every, as I go and I look at my kids, God, I see, God, your hand in my life. God, I thank you for the provision. You see the difference It's not living in this outward influence, but saying, Holy Spirit, inside of me, I want to rule. I want you to rule my thoughts, rule my my attitude. You have two natures. One is going to be self-serving and the other is going to be selfless. They're always going to be against each other. Your flesh is always going to seek pleasure and comfort and control. But that divine life inside of you, it's always going to press you to faith and to love, and to love others, and be holy, and be humble. And you can try your very best in this life to please God with religious rules, but it's only going to go so far. It's only going to go so far. It's going to take you just to a point. Because all that guilt, and all that forced labor, and all those works, it's going to end on one day, and you're going to realize, you know what, this Christianity can't be forced on by anybody. You can't force it. Religion is going to take you to a point where you're going to end up doing the bare minimum for God. Listen to me. You will go and you'll say, well, at least I pay my tithes. At least I came two Sundays this month. At least I did this. That's religion. That's religion. At least the pastor saw me once in the last six weeks. At least I sometimes help people out. At least that's religion. At least I serve. At least I, you can preach, you can sing, you can play, you can, but at least I do this. That's religion. The Spirit just longs to please God. He just longs to please God. 
because it's a work of learning. Jesus said, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, give, I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me. Learn from me. One author said this, he said, Christ cannot be fully formed in us until we stop trusting in our own good efforts and rely completely on the efforts of Christ. It took me a long time to understand that statement. Good Christian kid. At least I didn't have sex before marriage. At least I didn't do drugs. At least I didn't smoke. At least I went to church. At least I do all these. Those are nothing. Those are nothing. You could be the best. Nicodemus was the elite of elite. He was, if there was a measure of holiness, it'd be him next to God. And Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, flesh is flesh. You can be the top of the top, man. You can be the cream of the crop. You could be the Pope. You could be next there, right? You could be right there. You could give all your money to the poor. You could do all these things. But Nicodemus, unless you are born of spirit, you'll never enter the place where God is. Lastly is this. You're born from him, you learn from him, and then you decide one day, you know what, I need to live like him. Don't I need some rules, Pastor Heath? Don't we need some dress codes? Don't we need to tell them, don't watch these movies? Those are all great things. I just Instead of watching what you do, just watch what he does. That's good right there. Don't watch what you do. Watch what he does. Galatians 5.18 says this, but if you're led by the Spirit, everybody say led. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law of religious rules. But the deeds, he wants you to know now, don't be thinking you can do whatever you want because you got all this grace. He says, but the deeds of the flesh are evident. They're immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, drunkenness, wild parties, things like that. You know about those. I've warned you about those. If you practice things like that, you know you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He's like, I don't want to tell you what the flesh is. You know what the flesh looks like. You've been in the flesh your whole life. You know what the flesh naturally wants to do. Please itself. But he says, but when you're in the spirit, the produce, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's no religious rules for creating these things, he says. There's no work of man that can make somebody more loving. I don't care how many BBSs they attend or how many altar calls they go answer. I don't care how many missions trips they go on. You can't make someone more patient. Somebody say amen. Amen. You can't make someone patient. You try your very best to be patient. Guess what? Someone's going to go there, poke, 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 poke. Then the God's going to put that person right in your life and your coworker, and they're just going to try and try and try to show you you're naturally not patient. I don't care how fake you make it, because when you get in your car, you're probably cussing that person out or something, because you know you're not patient. I don't care what good face you put on or how loving you pretend to be on the inside. We are hate-filled. We are jealous. We are envious. We think the worst of people naturally. Come on. Don't we? I do. Because my natural man is that way. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and I start to be not ruled by fleshly thoughts, but Holy Spirit, take this out of Holy Spirit, right now I'm wanting to think bad things about you know who, man. They just, you can't even imagine what's going on. But Holy Spirit, take my thoughts. Holy Spirit, I know that you have things for that person. God, I pray for that person. God, you'll bless them. God, that you will take this, this evil that's in my heart. God, it's not, I don't want to think this way. Holy Spirit, I'm praying right now. 
God, that you begin to think through me. God, Holy Spirit, you respond in this moment how this person needs me to respond because you know the spirit of slap is about to come out of me or whatever it is, right? You know, you need to pray, God, take control of me. Holy Spirit, rule and reign in me. Born-again believers desire to be willful to please God. We don't willfully sin. We willfully please God. And that becomes entering as an adult to it as a mature Christian. And I'll just say this in closing. He says fruit. You see, as an adult, <laughs> I've had to learn that even though I've been this really underweight, skinny guy my whole life, I'm you know, finally over into my mid-30s now. I've got to learn to eat better, Right? And I got to put some more fruit in my diet. Come on, somebody. I got to learn to put some more fruit in my diet. Even though I've had to learn that I can kind of live life like I wanted to live life and eat like I wanted to eat for a long time, I'm finally learning I got to have fruit in my diet. Spiritually speaking, listen to me. You can go to church. You can do all the right things. You can learn how to be a good Christian. But you better have some fruit in your diet. Spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, patience. And that comes by only partaking of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, being connected to the source. John 15 says, be connected to the true vine, which is Jesus Christ. That's the only way. If you are abiding in Christ and he abides in you and you abide in him, that's the only way you're going to naturally produce good things in your life. Worship team, would you come? I close with this. Galatians 5.25, there he ends. He says, but if you live in the Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, Let us walk by the Spirit. What does he mean there? He says, now that you've grown up in Christ and you've been in him some time, you must understand this. You must stay in step with the Spirit. I've said this before here. The best illustration for this is is ballroom dancing. What does it mean to stay in step with the Spirit? That means that in a ballroom dance that one person in this partnership is leading, but they are both moving at the same steps, the same direction both sinking in the same, but one person is leading. One person is going to be the lead. If you watch those Dancing with the Stars shows or whatever, there's one person who's the lead in this relationship, and that person is the Holy Spirit. But it takes my efforts and my working with Him to stay in step, to let Him lead me. So if I'm in a spiritual relationship with God, He says, if you're in a spiritual relationship with God, not a religious relationship, a spiritual relationship with God, that means he's the leading person in this stance of life. He's the person that you are surrendering to, but you're going to walk in step, in sync with him. Or think about a marching band or a military. Someone is setting the march, but they are all stepping in step. How is my Christian life walking, not in the measure of religion, but in the measure of walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Where are you at in your life today? Some of us have been with God for so many years, we've got to get more fruit in our diet. Maybe it's getting more love. And I've been acting and my flesh has been coming out. I've been not forgiving like I should. I've not been patient like I should. I've not been thinking the thoughts I should. And you know what? I've got to go on a diet. And i got to get right with God. I know how to eat right. I know God, but I just really got to get healthy. I don't care how old you are, how long you live with God. It's good to be healthy. We need to be healthy. 
Second is, maybe you've been in that teenage years and you've been trying to live holy. You've got behaviors, attitudes, things in your life. You say, God, I've got to get the rule of the Spirit. I've been trying with my own efforts so long not to be depressed and not to go to addiction and not to think these thoughts and not to get off the suicide and get off these pills or get off this addiction, whatever it is. I've been trying harder and it doesn't always work. I do well and I do bad, do well. Come to the rule of the Holy Spirit. Sir, ma'am, you can try and try and try. You'll fail, fail again. But if you just work on surrender, let's just work on surrender, church. Work on surrender. And lastly, maybe you're here today and say, Pastor, I've, I've been the Christian. I've, I've come to church. I know about church. I know I'm not, I don't want to serve Muhammad or Buddha. I know there's a Jesus. I believe there's a Jesus, but there's not this living thing. Maybe you've prayed a prayer before. Maybe you've come to church before. Maybe you were even baptized at one time. But there needs to be something alive, something that I cannot do for you, something that only comes when you connect with God in a supernatural way. I want to ask you to every head bow, every eye closed. Where are you at today? we got plenty of time. We ended early for this very reason. Church, I came back today just concerned concerned, honestly concerned as a shepherd, as one who cares for a flock, that God, maybe there are people in my flock, Lord, man, maybe they don't know they're not ready. Nicodemus thought he had done everything right. He thought he knew it all, but he had a revelation with Jesus. Nicodemus, man, if you were to die today, you got to have a living relationship with God. Do you have a living relationship with God.